0: hey guys welcome to because i said so the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves how we perceive others and the conversations that we have because of it thank you for listening and please leave a review to support the podcast thank you a very special guest today. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Yes, um, I'm Tigress. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Uh,
0: today we're going to talk a little bit about kind of your culture and your heritage and how that relates to kind of things that are going on in the world today. And so if you want to go ahead and just start off telling us a little bit about yourself and how that relates to you.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in California and moved here when I was almost eight, I think. And um, uh, my family is very mixed. We're like quite a few different ethnicities. So it was, it's been interesting growing up in a place that's been, you know, predominantly white and it's not really, you know, used to seeing people who are mixed. It's more, you know, common to seeing someone who is one race or maybe two, but like my family's like all over the place. Um, so you know, it's interesting because I grew up with a lot of different cultures being in my household, mm-hmm. like a lot of different influences in the food that we eat and like our spirituality. Because we don't really, you know, identify with one religion because of the fact that, you know, every nationality kind of has a religion. And it feels kind of weird to try to pick one, especially since like I am, I'm from a generational mixed family. We aren't the first people to be you know all over the place mm-hmm. so I don't think many of my family members really identify with one aspect of one culture um, we know lots I mean I think we mostly relate to Hawaiian culture if anything because my mother's grandmother that's where she grew up so that was the food that she taught all my relatives to make and the music that she played and all that stuff but um, yeah <laughs> it's kind of crazy in a way in that I don't really know how much of any one thing that I am is because it's, you know, there was lots of mixing in the way people immigrated to different places. So I'm more so no nationalities. I know that I have relatives in the Philippines, relatives in Guatemala, relatives in Hawaii, um, I know, I think I still have relatives in Japan, but all my relatives from the Philippines and Japan all immigrated to Hawaii. So it's just, it's a big melting pot. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, so I think it's interesting to have a, or it's been, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized other people find it interesting to have a different ethnicity than, you know, I mean, a different ethnicity than religion or nationality, I guess, but I grew up with all different kinds of things, learning about all different kinds of issues, globally speaking, because my mom was really um, devoted to making sure that we were aware of all the different issues happening around the world to, you know, our ancestors or whatever the places that they grew up and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. Even just hearing you kind of like ensure that and talk about it. Um, it sounds like you're kind of this puzzle made up of all these different like worldly pieces and nationalities kind of like you were saying and I think that that's really really beautiful and it's also really interesting to hear you talk about how your mother made such an effort to keep you engaged with what was going on because I think that's so important and I know um, my family doesn't have this like wealth of culture that yours does but even I like wish that I knew about things that were going on and. Places where my like heritage came from, and so kind of going off of that and starting kind of this discussion. Will you talk a little bit about Hawaii and, firstly, kind of like the colonization there, um, and just kind of morality and ethics, which is already like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Of course. So Hawaii, before any you know white people came in and decided to you know mess around, that it was a very self-governing society they were very like modern for the time actually in the way that they had community in the way that they like worked together and everything and they were very like the indigenous people here in the sense that they didn't they didn't see land as something that they they owned they they borrowed the land to you know grow their food and to live on but they no one owned any sort of property because the earth was like a gift it wasn't something that they that they took Um, but they were an independent nation state and uh, they made it uh, a great effort, the royalty in Hawaii did to like identify that way and go to other countries and meet with other royalty and like establish themselves as a independent, you know, nation out, not connected to anything. Um, But they were very like giving I would say in the sense that like the the united kingdom england and all you know that all that fun stuff they gave them like their flag as like a a gift kind of and hawaii was so grateful that they did that that they put that flag in their flag they have the uk flag literally in the hawaii flag because that's how they were just they they were very kind and they assumed the best in people so when you know people from the us um started kind of coming over the first thing they really did was they they started having these plantations that they worked at um, where they would just, you know, Hawaii is a very specific climate. So, you know, tropical things, it's kind of similar to like the Southern part, the South America and Mm -hmm. all those, you know, Latino countries and everything. It's a very specific, though that's not a word. It's a very specific (laughs) climate. So some things can only be grown in more tropical areas. So they kind of started taking over some lands and stuff. And I, the Hawaiians didn't, you know, they didn't love it but they were like okay you know <laughs> you're here and the i think it what happened was is that the royalty there started trying to take it back in a sense not necessarily you know the the, the workers not being treated well on these plantations on these on these farms so the queen at the time was like okay we're gonna we're gonna fix this and as soon as that happened the U.S. sent the military into Hawaii and Hawaii was not a U.S. state at this this point in time and the military got involved and were basically protecting the interests of the plantation owners who were not you know Hawaiians they were white people from the U.S. Mm -hmm. um And to protect the interests of the plantation owners, they put the queen on house arrest and told her that if she didn't abdicate her throne, they're going to kill her people, basically. And, you know, that's (laughs) that's kind of how this all initially started with that. That's not, you know, a great sign. Um, and then in, 19, in 1898, the Hawaiian flag in front of the palace was taken down and the U.S. flag was put up in place of the Hawaiian flag. Um, and the people did not approve. They were signing petitions. They were doing all of these, you know, things trying to show that they did not support what was happening. It just it did literally nothing. Um, the U.S. then went in and replaced the local languages in schools. They made it so children were only allowed to speak English in their school systems. They had uh, to. They they weren't able to do pretty much the things that they had been doing before. They learned, you know, U.S. school. They didn't learn Hawaiian stories. They learned U.S. stories. They, you know, had to speak English. They weren't really able to talk about their own history and what the U.S. had done because you know the U.S. has a bad thing in fact the U.S. thought they were like helping they thought you know Hawaii was like this jungle where no one knew how to do anything yet and they were so uncivilized because they didn't have all of these like you know they didn't own land that's so crazy um so after that um you know they had a system similar to the one they have here kind of where they were not necessarily reservations but they were trying to like set aside land and you know things that Hawaiians could claim back at some point, but they decided to kind of make it so a Hawaiian was only someone who was identifiable as someone based on their blood, based on blood quantum. So you had to have half Hawaiian blood to count as Hawaiian, basically declaim things, mm-hmm. which is just not how Hawaiians viewed themselves because of the fact that there are so many different ethnicities there. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that like the years prior to this, they had, you know, basically shipped in a bunch of people to work on the plantations, people from the Philippines, people from Japan, people from Korea, from China, like all over from Asia they shipped in so many people who work in the plantation so it's kind of it's kind of become a dry melting pot at this point you know there were generations of Asians living in Hawaii who you know claimed the Hawaiian you know religion and food and, and food and language and stuff um, so when the U.S. came in it was like "Oh, only determined by your blood like Hawaiians definitely anyone who respects their culture and grew up in their culture is considered Hawaiian because that's I mean that's how it had been Um, so that meant that only certain people could claim the land. And it was really kind of, uh, I wouldn't say deceitful. It was like, they made it so that one day there will not be any Hawaiians with enough blood to claim anything there basically. So it's, it's kind of almost, you know, it's like they knew what they were doing a little bit because, you know, if you have to be full half of something, like I'm not half of anything. I don't, I, you know, I think I know quite a few people who aren't, you know, half of one entire thing. So it's kind of like a little bit crazy especially since you know it's not like there's I don't know it's just it's just such a weird arbitrary rule that you know the U.S. made up for Hawaiians who do not feel that way um I
0: think that it's it's really interesting there how it's they came in and imposed that upon a culture that was not theirs. I think that that's kind of a theme in American history, unfortunately. But like, <laughs> yes. with that rule specifically, it's like, why are you telling us who can be Hawaiian? You're not Hawaiian. This is not your culture. Like, <laughs> what, what is going on? It's very like 1984, very like white savior complex.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. And I thought that was like such a gift saying like, no, no, no we consider you Hawaiians now, but like, you have to be this much. And it's like,
0: yeah. yeah I don't think that's how works no I think I think it's so interesting yeah. and it's also like with the Asian immigration there like you were saying like it's almost interesting to call it immigration because it wasn't really it was like a transplant almost it they were taken and I think that yeah. like you were saying it's that trickle-down effect of like once people are intermingling and intermarrying and then having children it's like that's the whole like you're not nobody's gonna be and so then it is
1: just their land and you're yeah. like, okay,
0: great. High.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Especially since all those people came because the plantation owners talked to the Hawaiian royal the government, the Hawaiian royalty, and they were like, Hey, we well, need more workers for these plantations. What if we go to other countries, you know, ones that are, you know more impoverished or there are people there who are looking for better lives and they went they went to Japan they went to all the you know the Philippines all of these countries and they were like hey you know you're poor here but we can give you a life in Hawaii and you can make enough money so you can have a life and most people went thinking that they were going to be able to go back home they thought like once I move here I can make enough money to go back and give my family a better life and that just I mean that didn't happen they got there and they were treated horribly they made no money specifically Filipinos got treated the worst they got paid the least to do the hardest work and it's just It's insane that after they were brought there and promised one thing and got another that they didn't even get to claim that nationality after everything, you know, that their grandparents had gone through to, you know, not even really plan on staying. Yeah,
0: I think it's it's also really telling that I mean, you hear a little bit about Queen like Lili Kalani, I think that's how you say it. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure. I hope yes, I didn't much of that. Um, but it's like you hear like a little bit about that. <laughs> but it's like I re- it was like this blurb that was maybe like four sentences in my textbook last year. I was like and it's like very unclear you kind of, and they are kind of like, yeah, like they did some stuff and like now she's right. like not the leader anymore. Like thrive, like great. yeah it's like so it's like I feel like this is the first time that I'm really learning like what went on so why do you think that it's so problematic that we only learn learn about it in regards to political gain like we hear about it kind of like oh yeah Mm -hmm. we added Hawaiian like fun without like (laughs) learning anything about culture or how this happened
1: Mm mm-hmm I mean, I think it's so telling in that we still do so many shady things like this to other countries that we're not willing to admit that we had done this in the past. Because I mean, it, it, still, it still happens. We're still taking land from them. We're still taking land from indigenous people here in the mm-hmm. US. Like we're not, we're not ready to fully so admit that we did anything like that. And I think that's kind of the main problem is if we can't reflect on the problems of the past, how are we ever supposed to learn anything new? Because it's not. It's not taught. We don't learn about really happened in Hawaii during this time and we're told that you know it was established and I mean it was in 1959 that's when they voted to make it an official state like that's not when Hawaii was established Hawaii was established song before it was an official state of the U.S. it was mm-hmm. it was you know self-governing they were completely fine before we came in and they and they took it completely illegally and that's the other thing that's you know not fully mentioned like Bill Clinton had an apology like a hundred years yeah. after but it you know which is, it, it shows that, you know, he acknowledged it, but he didn't give any land back. He didn't set any new rules. He just, he kind of acknowledged that they stole it and then like left it at that. And it's not, you know, I don't think that's common knowledge. I think that lots people don't know that the fact that it was invaded, you know, completely illegally, especially considering that Hawaii had its own treaties with other countries. Like it's not, <laughs> it was fully established in the eye of every other country, apparently, besides the US who was like, mm, no, I think, I think we can take that. I think that's ours. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it does feel incredibly performative. And it's like, I mean, granted, I don't know all of the um, like executive powers. Like, I don't know what he specifically could have done, but it's like, I think that there's not a lot of emphasis on like reparations to a lot of different nationalities and countries that go on. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask you also, like, how do you feel like you've been able to like pass down your culture through your family and celebrate that? I mean, especially like learning things about like the history of- all of this and things mm-hmm. like that.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm grateful that I I was raised knowing it because I do understand that for some people it is, you know, when you're told your whole life something was one thing, it can be really challenging to, you know, unlearn that. And it's not anyone's, like anyone specifically, it's not anyone's fault, right? It's what are, it's, it's the education system's mm-hmm. fault. So I think I'm, I'm definitely grateful that I got to learn it in a way that is honest to the actual people. And I think that's what, you know, people don't need to get better at is being like, okay, who was the, who was oppressed in a situation? Who, who were the people who were taken advantage of and what's their side of the story? Because that's, you know, they don't usually get their side of the story told. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I've been able to talk to other people about it, I guess. Um, you know, I don't ever join a conversation thinking I'm going to like, change someone's mind or like give someone a revelation. But I, I definitely think it's important to have conversations in a in a way that maybe enlightens someone's information they maybe didn't have before. And I'm I think I'm just grateful that I was able to gain this in, in a way.
0: Yeah. And kind of moving into more of like today's like current issues, being someone that's Asian American, yes. and I know that we had talked a little bit about kind of like the immigration, can you talk a little bit more about just I mean I know that there's so much history as well with like Asian American <laughs> immigration and like internment camps and yes things like that but a little bit right. of the current oh my gosh. and like just xenophobia going on today
1: yes yes well and I mean one thing there's so much that's happening in the U.S. alone not to mention things that are happening in other countries that the U.S. has more to do with than I think people like to look at like mm-hmm. there's still so much like you know, legal slavery and all of these other countries that the US completely contributes to. I mean, India in particular has a ridiculous amount of people still working. I think it's like they make $2 a day on average, some of these people. Like that's just absolutely insane. Um, but there are certainly so many issues when it comes to that. I mean, in Hawaii alone, it's like a third of the families there are still in poverty right now, even though it's, you have, to, it's the most expensive state to live in in the entire country. Um, they're still, people are still taking their land there. People are still taking indigenous land here. Um, they've been fighting to get land back. That You know, I think one of the things people don't realize is that when Pearl Harbor was bombed in Hawaii, it wasn't actually a state yet. So the military had been there to the point where other countries saw it as a threat and bombed it without having any real US protection at that point because it it wasn't actually even like a state. Um, But uh, issues, I guess, more in Asian immigration, I would say, um, I think, I honestly think the biggest issue when it comes to Asian issues is that it's such an underrepresented perspective in media and in politics. Like no one's talking about it that much, I guess. Um, but uh, it's, it's such a diverse group of people because, you know, when people think of Asians, they tend to think of light Asians like Japanese or Korean or Chinese, but really the majority of Asian countries are, you know, darker Asians. They're brown Asians they are from the Philippines or from India or from any of those, you know, other surrounding countries. And there's definitely colorism within the Asian community and outside of the Asian community, I think, but they both definitely suffer, you know, in different in different ways and some and some similarly but I think the Philippine the um, Filipino issues are specifically not talked about enough considering that they are we import as the U.S. we import like so many Filipinos every year to do jobs that we don't want to and then you know we blame immigrants for stealing jobs but like the U.S. asked them to come I think that's one of the hugest issues is we we bring them here and then we pay them little like they are So many of our nurses are brought in here. So many of our teachers are brought here. And that's just crazy to think about. Like, we bring in teachers from other countries to teach our kids to get paid very little. They are, you know, uh, architects and doctors, construction workers, nannies, house cleaners. Like, it's like they get brought in to do all of the things that, you know, stereotypically we may not want to do, like the house cleaning, the nannying, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I think think it's really interesting and I mean going back to what you said about the other countries too I think that it's telling that the U.S. has become so well not even become though the U.S. has always kind of been so <laughs> complacent with all of those things I mm-hmm. mean even within our own like kind of skirting around responsibilities especially in Hawaii and things like that like claiming to be so prosperous and like this amazing nation and yet kind of like ignoring that whole aspect of it all um, even though we kind of did that to the, <laughs> the state of war. Yeah and I mean, I think that it, it also relates to what you were saying about um, importing immigrants to Hawaii earlier too, where we don't give them the full story. We're like, okay, like things will be great. Like, we'll bring you here. We'll give you a job. We'll do this. And then it's like, okay, yeah. you're going to be living like subhuman levels. Like it's. Uh, that's just incredible Mm -hmm. to me um and so i was gonna let you talk a little bit about more about the filipino issues as well because i think that that again is just something that a lot of people don't recognize and like you said in politics it's like there's been this growth and this wealth of diversity starting to emerge which is great i mean especially in the house and the senate but you see so little of any Mm -hmm. asian american representation at all like it's
1: yes other other
0: groups and other minorities are starting to kind of um be elected which is great. But again, it's like, there has to be like a wealth there.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes. Filipino issues. I think, I think one of the biggest topics that nobody talks about are the Filipinos that work on cruise ships. They are like majority of cruise ship workers more than any other nationality. And they get paid a dollar 80 an hour and they work about 70, to 90 hours a week and do not get paid overtime for doing so which is just absolutely insane that that's legal but I mean cruise ships get away with all kinds of things but that's that's a whole other conversation (laughs) but specifically the Filipino cruise workers like it's I mean they made it legal to literally pay someone a dollar 80 a year like that is that is insane um and you know that doesn't get talked about and that's definitely a very Pressing current issue is is the fact that that's you know okay and that no one talks about that and not to mention that Filipinos here who make super little they still send most of that money back to their families like it's crazy they they come here a lot of the times alone in hopes of making money to send back and that's usually what happens they'll come here and they'll work and then when they you know become older and want to meet their grandchildren they'll they'll go back like it's the system that we've created is so mind-boggling to me that we just decided these people's lives you know should be spent raising other people's children rather than back in their home country kind of um but yeah I think it's it's kind of crazy what they've been able to get with like it's there's literally a system there they're called um OFWs which stands for Overseas Filipino Workers Um, and they make about 30 million U.S. dollars a year these OFWs and that's 10% of the Filipino GDP are people literally coming to the US and making money and sending it back. Like that system is so whack to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's something that I think that it's also like, it seems like if the public knew about it and that was widely publicized, that people would be a lot more angry. But it seems like it's something <laughs> that just like, like, I, like when you were saying that, I was like, I have never heard about this. And I mean, part of it's also because I think our generation can get very oversaturated with issues to where it's like hard to focus <laughs> on one and really make change in one area because yes. we're on to the next by like the next week. <laughs> but I feel like that's just one that I feel like has never really been talked about at all. And again, it's mm. like if people knew, I don't think they'd be okay with the mm-hmm. government doing this. And I'm sure no. especially with like cruise ships and things like that, there's a lot of like overseas and like in different borders, like things like that. But it's like, you can regulate it. Like yeah. you can regulate it. There's things <laughs> that we've regulated. Yeah. We regulate trade all the time. So I think you can maybe regulate human um, rights yeah. issues for sure. <laughs>
1: Maybe just a little bit at least, maybe just like, just a tad and just maybe think, think it over. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane, especially since I don't think anyone really here thinks about Filipinos that much in general, what I think is funny, because I mean, they're also like amazing musicians, that's another funny thing, they're like great musicians. I am mean, gonna Like, I feel like it's, I've had some people come to me and they're like, did you know Bruno Mars is Filipino? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? I and mean, love Rodrigo's out here. He's it. She's Filipino. Like, you know, broader people like George Salazar's Filipino, even Abazada's Filipino. Like there's so many like Filipino, you know, celebrities or, you know, influencers or activists, but like, nobody thinks of that. Like, and I think that's the other thing with kind of being mixed in a sense is people kind of see you and if they don't know what you are, they like, take their best guess. They're like, I'm going to guess like some sort of Mexican, right? Like I feel like that's a lot of people get categorized as a lot. They're like, "Mm, I'm just going to guess that you're something else because it just no one thinks of it. No one's like, wait, there are like Asians that aren't Japanese. Like that's I feel like people don't really think about that that much
0: no I I totally agree I think that like you, that was like spot on when people were like mm, probably something like Mexico people just don't understand <laughs> yeah and like I mean I don't e- like I'm not perfect with this either but it's like it's like you like I think that appreciating somebody's culture and asking is like not ever a bad thing like I mean sh- like sure there are wrong ways to like ask like where someone's <laughs> from or like what their heritage is or right like that, but I feel oh, like yeah. generally
1: if you yeah go ahead I was going to say, like, it shouldn't, you know, because I've been playing conversations people have come to me and they've been like, oh, you know, what are you? Where are you from? And all that stuff. And it's like, it's not a great way to start a conversation, obviously, because you don't want to feel like it's like a deal breaker if you're like, oh, you know, I'm Filipino and all this stuff. And people are like, oh, like, I don't, like, it almost feels weird to, like, start a conversation like that. Mm -hmm. If you've been friends with someone for a while and you're curious about their culture and their heritage, yeah, it can be like, hey, I want to know more about, you know, your ancestry and more about this. I feel like I don't know anything about that. And I would like to you know." figure that out that's you know people should instead of just assuming There've been some people come up to me and they're just like Mexican right like t- like you know like just like guessing and I'm like yeah that's such an awkward conversation to have you're like no nope. yeah.
0: yeah you're like mm, um no try again you get like two more chances
1: <laughs> um yeah exactly I, there's like I'm there's nothing wrong with being Mexican you know I'm just not and that's, <laughs> that's so awkward but you know
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's a lot of times from what I've seen, not, I mean, obviously I haven't had this experience, but I feel like if you're genuinely curious and you're respectful and kind and you're coming at it from a place of like wanting to learn and wanting to like embrace, then I feel like that's usually pretty obvious and people will kind of like understand that and generally take that like, well, and so I think that it's just like, if you're, being like a bad person about it, then yeah, maybe like be considerate, like (laughs) be a little bit respectful. They're not here to just answer all of your questions.
1: Um, Yes, for sure.
0: Yeah, but then kind of also, I mean, this kind of cycles back to what we were talking about with Hawaii and talking about kind of Native American and Indigenous people stuff right now, which we've touched on Mm -hmm. a little bit throughout here, but what does history show us about this like reoccurring pattern of kind of just what's going on with assimilation and tearing away people's cultures and histories? oh
1: yeah oh yeah i mean the u.s loves doing this apparently because they 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 just won't stop but you know what happened in hawaii is very similar to what happened here they came here and the indigenous people here were super giving and kind and considerate and they you know were happy to meet new people and then they came in and they decided that you know the U.S. or you know at that time the British came in right and they decided that the indigenous people here were uncivilized and they didn't know how to do anything for themselves and I think the biggest problem is that they keep thinking that they're helping and they don't ever stop to like ask what someone else wants they're like no no no, we're helping we're giving you a civilized society or you know we're giving you a better education system when they don't really think about the fact that these people already had education systems that they that they you know worked well for them they, i mean indigenous people here were doing fine for you know a very long time before mm-hmm. the british felt the need to come the same thing in hawaii they were they were doing fine people were people were thriving before <laughs> before then um and it's it's telling how much of the stories that don't get told especially in the fact that even when we do tell them we tell it as though it's ancient history like oh my gosh yeah this happened so long ago yeah we conquered you know U.S. but it was it was so long ago and it's like no it's still happening there's still protests all over Hawaii like the I don't know if you've heard about the Mount Kea protests there I have not but the um so the scientists there are trying to well I don't think the scientists are there they they have one of the like most beautiful like biggest most like eco diverse mountains in the world basically and they it, they consider it part of their like their religion, almost it's it's like a temple for them. Mm-hmm. They they praise it. It's it's um, it's really important to their to their culture, to their religion, to their spirituality. And uh, scientists and people from the U.S. have been trying to put giant telescopes on it, basically, which are not great for a couple of reasons. One of them being the fact that drilling into a mountain like that is just not good. Not to mention the fact that the, you know there are, are species on Mount Akaya that are only on Mount Akea. So them going through and destructing these things is literally causing, you know, this ecosystem that was so beautiful to slowly, you know, perish. Not to mention it's affecting the water supply in the city that it is mounted on, which is just insane that no one thought that through, but they are so protesting, they literally had to lay down in the streets to stop construction trucks going. They were out there um, up until COVID hit. And I think they they took a pause. I haven't, you know, kept up as with it as much as I'd like to recently, but I, I believe they're back up there um, now. But they're still going for it. And the worst part is that this mountain was considered like safe for them. Like it was part, of, you know, how, like you know, we have reservations for Native Americans here. It was considered part of their lands. Like it was one of the, you know, crumbs that they got when the US invaded. they were like, okay, well, we can keep Maunake. And they're like, nah, just kidding. And now they take, like, you know. We tell these stories as though they're ancient history, but it's, it was literally happening last year, and I think it's ha- it's still happening now. Same thing with everything that's going on here. I'm not as familiar with Native American issues, so I won't pretend to be. But I mean, I hear about it all the time. Protests are going on where it's like, "Hey, you've literally only given me this much land. My hope is to get more back, not not lose more of it." And that that's happening constantly. And the fact that we don't, you know, fully talk about that it happened before, and that when we do, we talk about it as though it was so long ago, and you know, we've changed so much and we've gotten so much better. It's just such a lie because it's not true. Yeah,
0: no, I think it's so interesting. That's what I was gonna say too, is that like we act like it was forever ago. And I mean especially hearing about yeah. Hawaii, it's like this is this is like the second coming of like I mean probably not even the second coming, probably like the 18th at this point that we just don't even know about. <laughs> right. But it's like yeah. I don't I it's so interesting that I think that we do talk about it like that. And I think a lot of it is because people just don't know. And I don't know if that's just a lack of like awareness if that's just a lack of like media it's probably a mix of a lot of things because again mm-hmm. I feel like if people knew about those things that they would be doing right. more. I mean that's my hope as someone that like yeah it's the fact that I feel like a lot of people <laughs> have general empathy but um <laughs> right it's like I, well, I, I agree know. with
1: that. yeah I think that if people you know I think people they in their in their heart and in their in their soul they they understand when something is you know wrong what doesn't feel right because people are naturally you know supposed to protect each other that's i'm not necessarily protect but band together that's kind of how we survived when we first you know came to this planet we were we, we were in tribes that's how you know our innate instinct is to trust each other and to help each other and i think that one of the biggest issues with that is the way you know this depending on the story is that you know media picks up is what everyone hears about because nobody ever thinks to go and you know do their own research about things which I do understand that you know some people just don't have the time and I I can respect that but I think it's challenging when you know you only watch one news source like if you only watch CNN or if you only you know look at Instagram news and all this stuff you're never going to hear about all these different issues if you only consume one type of you know news source because so much you know goes and talked about like I feel like particularly when it comes to like immigration issues we really don't ever look into it like we consider people stealing our jobs like everything that went on in Guatemala forever ago. And it was like, they had an actual democratically elected president who was like an actual philosopher and he had been doing so good. It's like so much good. He made it legal for women to vote there. He created social security system. He did, uh, created modern public health system as well. Like he did all of these really great things. and then the president after him was also wonderful he started taking uh land back that they had sold to the U.S. and giving it to the people there so they could start making money they'll have to work for really low U.S. wages mm-hmm. and then as soon as all that stuff happened the U.S. sent the military in there and completely destabilized the country because they started you know asking for their land back and then now we're like you know kind of blaming immigration on the fact that they destabilize their own country and not ever think like we went in there and we did that. And now we're complaining that they're at our border and they're and when they come in, it's not like they're stealing the lowest wage jobs possible. Like they're becoming housekeepers and they're they're doing the work that we don't even want to do. We import people from the Philippines to do this work in the first place. And yet we, you know, go off and we blame the fact that they did this to themselves and all of that sort of nonsense that we tell ourselves to make us feel OK for not looking into anything, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, again, it feels just very like 1984, very like, okay, like erasing like people's history, erasing the news. It's kind of like, okay. And I think a lot of it too is that people, I mean, it's human nature, I think, to identify with issues that feel like relatable to you. And I think that as a generation and as just a nation, we need to get better about that. Because and Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways we should be identifying with issues that we oftentimes aren't because we separate ourselves from the narrative when that's actually very much like us writing the narrative or us just being so heavily involved in it and so that also leads me to what do you feel like we can do I mean both as like our generation but also just as like American citizens to like make things better I mean for like (laughs) all of these I know that's such a broad question but just like I mean, educating yeah. ourselves is obviously a great first step too, but, um, yeah, I'll just 100%. hand this over to you.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I mean, obviously the first step is to understand these things. And I think I-, I like what you said earlier when it was like, our generation gets really infatuated with subjects and like learns everything about them. And a week later, like completely switches gears mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about that completely, which I think is great. Cause we do, we learn a lot of things. We never, I feel like we never stick on something long enough to like, affect it much really mm-hmm. um so I definitely think it's to like you know but what I think what I try to do at least is when I want to learn about something I try to f- focus on that I guess which I mean it doesn't have to be anything that I've stated in this I think of any you know if you really care about any issue in particular if you spend your time you know focusing on that learning about that you'll discover so much more than if you're trying to do you know 20 things at once um and I think learning about the topics, specifically the ones that don't get talked about in the news, right? Because there are always going to be a story that's not told and you should always look at, you know, multiple perspectives, because chances are the one that you haven't considered yet may be, you know, the one that's on the right side because or not the right side. That sounds bad. <laughs> the the story of someone who's been through the the oppression of what's occurred, because that's usually persons have a voice in the first place you know um, I think learning about it obviously is a first step and I think telling these stories I think spreading around what's going on I mean obviously these are such underrepresented communities the Asian community is and I know it's partly because you know when you hear stories about Japan and I've been to Japan and it's it's true they're such a sweet people and it's not like you know I would never say like oh they're not sticking up enough for themselves I'm just like they don't you know they're not, they're not going to start a riot about it. They just want to talk about it. And I think that's the other thing. I we'll have to get better about having conversations and being like, okay, I'm going to do the listening and then I'll do the talking and then I'll you know have a conversation about it and just learning from each other. And there are so many great organizations that can help people and people all over the world from supporting them, from learning about them, you know, just really talking about it. I think that's the biggest thing with any issue is to get off the ground is just to talk about it, to spread awareness to share stories that people hadn't considered before or share perspectives. Um, I think, again, especially when it comes to underrepresented view, uh, underrepresented viewpoints, it's such a, it's such, I think, an underrated important thing to do is just to talk about it. Even if you don't think you know everything, just to like bring it up. See what happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think even coming into this, I was a little bit intimidated. I was like, oh gosh, I don't know everything about this, but it's (laughs) asking questions is how you find out the answer. I mean, especially from people who it relates to, you know? I mean, you can... I think that, like you said, talking about it, that humanizes the issue and that tends to make people care more
1: 100%. When, rather
0: than just reading oh, yeah. news. I mean, that's, which is again, great in educating yourself, but I think that if yes. you can have yeah. a real conversation with a real human who has been affected yeah. or knows people or has like, and so it just makes things very tangible. And I think that it, yes. it makes the issue a lot more real.
1: Oh yeah. And I think you know, especially considering the fact that so much is left out of our US history. Like we don't even learn about the Japanese internment camps, which I is mind, you know, boggling in and of itself. Like, I think there were more than a thousand Japanese men, women and children who are put in these concentration camps. And that's not that's not taught to us. And that was also the result of Pearl Harbor, which is, you know, absolutely <laughs> insane to me. But just, you know, things like that. They don't get they don't get taught in school. They don't get put on the news. We don't ever refer back to it. And we just you know, keep moving on. But I think, you know, everyone obviously has a different subject. They're more well-versed in, and I think if we can start sharing knowledge in a way that, you know, we all listen and we all get a chance to speak and hear each other, I think it's, you know, sounds, you know, like it's way too easy. And, you know, maybe it is, but I think that that would honestly make such a big difference.
0: Yeah. And I mean, again, I think that it's, it's, a lot of times we might get bogged down in the logistics of like, cause we do feel like we have to make such like a big step to make a difference. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and yeah. I wanted to say thank you so much for being on today. Cause I feel like I've learned so much yes. and I hope that everybody else yeah, has too, course. but yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. This was so fun.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And thank you everybody for listening. I hope you guys learned a lot and have a great day. Thank you.